When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. My guest today is Sean Mahoney. Sean is the CEO and president of OAC Services, Inc., an employee-owned firm headquartered in Seattle, Washington. OAC is a professional services firm dedicated to providing innovative building and process solutions to public and private clients using a multidisciplinary approach based on real experience in the areas of project and construction management, building and closure services, forensic architecture, and engineering and structural engineering. Sean joined OAC in 2005 and was named CEO and president in 2018. Sean is an architect by training. Essentially, half of his professional career has been as an architect and half on the owner's representative side. Truth be told, he doesn't like the label of owner's representative. He thinks it's limiting. He prefers design and construction performance management. We'll talk about this during our conversation. While on site during construction in his role as an architect, he collaborated daily with the contractors and owner, communicating and interpreting the design both on and off contract documents. This experience was profound for him in realizing the value of collaboration and how much he learned from others. Design and construction is truly a team sport. It was during this time that he realized how he could better influence the success of projects by working closely with the owner. And any team owner needs a strong coach to lead them. He had met OAC on a large commercial project, and it was through that experience that he decided to join OAC. Sean described himself as an inquisitive firm leader and career learner, a professional architect with an active license and a love for architecture that will never die. Sean, I'm delighted to welcome you to the Softest Steel podcast. Thanks, Dennis. It's great to be with you, and I'm a big fan of your book. Well, th- well thank you for mentioning that. It was good. That, <laughs> that's a good way to start. You know, and it, it's, uh, you know, this is a conversation. You and I have uh, a lot of shared views on, on, on the people part of our industry and the, the good things and the, and the things that need to be worked on. We've talked about it frequently. So I just want to get, you know, get right into it. As I introduce you, I talked about you communicating, collaborating. You know, so clearly, your, your pattern, your way of going about doing whichever role you were filling had a heavy dose of the notion of what soft skills are all about. What, when, you, when you think about soft skills as you practice them, what does it mean to you in terms of, of, of its effect on each and every contact you have with the people that you serve as your clients? Yeah, for me, I think it's really about connecting with each of them. You know, as I said in the intro or shared with you in the intro, design and construction is a team sport. And we need to connect with the owners, the engineers, the contractors, the the workers in the field, right? It's it's different languages in some cases, but it's all about connecting to help everyone be successful. And it's through the soft skills that you can make those connections and clearly communicate intent, expectations, 
quality levels deliverables with you know each uh, each partner group, if you will, involved in a in a large design and construction project. What do you think is kind of looking back over the last several years? If you had to talk about something that you see changing uh, in our industry, what 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 are the things that you that you see that are different now than they were just a few years ago in, in any aspect of, of our industry? Sure. Well, uh, first and foremost for me is the the availability and reliance on technology. I've seen huge increases in uh, the use of technology, all for the better, in my view. But uh, at the end of the day, design and construction is still performed by people. And no matter how great the technology is, you still got to be able to communicate people to people at, at all levels of a, of a project. What is the, uh, you know, the last two and a half years have been different? What's, what's the experience of that different environment meant to your business and how your business has sustained itself through this last two and a half years? Yeah, well, we've always worked remote in some ways. So we were, I would say, enabled to handle kind of the shift to full uh, remote work, but that still didn't mean that it was uh, seamless by any way, by any means. The switch to uh, almost exclusive virtual communications for a large part of the last two and a half years has really been a challenge on on uh, everyone involved in our work from the owner down to folks in the field. So everything had to change a little bit. And frankly, it made the the need for soft skills more important, but more challenging as well, because you didn't have that face-to-face connection that really helps the body language and, you know, other aspects of mm-hmm. soft skills, you know, easier to communicate. It, mm-hmm. it, made, it made the soft skills, which were always a challenge, uh, even harder being yeah. uh, fully remote. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the thoughts that I had in my book, and you may recall it, was uh, was the thought that you can't build relationships online. What are your thoughts about what happened to to starting and trying to build relationships in a virtual environment? Yeah, I, I guess I, I wouldn't say that you can't build relationships in a vert- in a virtual uh, environment, but it just makes it a heck of a lot harder and. I know for me, I was looking for opportunities to connect face-to-face with our clients, our, our team, and our project teams every way I could. Mm-hmm. Your OAC services has a, has a very, very positive reputation in the industry. And my, my take on that is one of the reasons it's, it, it does have that reputation is because of the fact that your culture talks about values which are, again, soft skill related. Tell us a little bit about, again, you know, how, how the, the culture of OAC services has evolved, what major things influenced, how you revised it and, and continue to do so even today. Thank you for those comments. Appreciate that. We work hard to be partners at all levels of a project, you know, for, for our clients, the owners to be successful, 
the design, construction, and all other teams involved in a project need to be successful as well. So we actively try and partner and create an environment where the best ideas can come to the surface. And we don't care where the best idea comes from. We just want to create an environment, an experience where people are comfortable sharing their ideas for the benefit of the project. And this goes back to, as you mentioned, uh, speaking of my bio, spending so much time out on construction sites for long periods of my career. I benefited from those energized conversations, brainstorming sessions with people at all levels of a project. And, you know, whether it be the, the mason, the steel erector, the concrete finisher, all of them have something to offer, especially, you know, if you've got a question about masonry, why not ask the person that's been doing it for 25 years, right? And invite invite them into the the conversation in a way that the best idea can come forward because our client benefits, the project benefits when the best ideas are uh, implemented to, uh, you know, the betterment of a project. Mm-hmm. As you as you work with your staff, how much of of the of leadership's responsibility is is visible to the staff in terms of modeling behaviors and modeling ways of doing things that recognize the importance of connection and relationships? Yeah, so much. We we're fortunate to have an amazing team, and uh, one of the challenges in the virtual hybrid work environment that we have is you don't get that organic mentoring that happens from just observing the the performance of your colleagues your manager your leader in the same space so it has to be a practice that our leaders uh, do above and beyond to try and simulate that which is I'd like to say we've We've completely solved that, but we but we can't have it yet. It's a it's a work in progress, but that's a huge challenge to the the remoteness or virtual work world now that we have is that organic mentoring and training. Mm-hmm. I would think that it it seems pretty daunting to try to to contemplate how you can use your best skills as a leader to motivate the people that you have responsibility for in this kind of an environment. What what kinds of things have you done to try to inject that motivation into, into the spirit of the company, really, really the, the the complement, you know, the entire team, uh, not necessarily on a a person by person basis, but just in general, how do you as the, as the leader, one of the leaders, the, the top leader, how do you motivate people when you're dealing with them much more, remotely than you would otherwise be doing, you know, pre, let's say for the last time, I'll use the word COVID pre COVID. Um, you know, I would imagine that you would, that you would have meetings with individuals and groups of individuals. You might even have company wide meetings and they might be training events and they might talk about things that have nothing to do with the technical aspects of our work. So how do you, how do you get that accomplished as a leader? Yeah. So we're, we're doing all of the things that you mentioned. And one of the things that we did that uh, I feel great about was really increasing our firm-wide communications over the last two and a half years. And it included select 
project management training sessions that we used as a R&D isn't the right word, but it was essentially a case study process where we would have a themed training with the entire firm uh, focused on the frontline project managers. And that was that was really successful and uh, a tool that we uh, implemented to help boost that organic training that you would get working side by side with your with your colleagues. Uh, we've also tried to highlight uh, case studies in more senior level meetings in, as well and share lessons learned across the firm to help mentor uh, those folks. And we've also uh, developed internally something I'm really proud of is uh, uh, our own uh, project management platform that we call OAC1, which provides essentially a baseline client experience, client delivery for every one of our projects. So the goal there is to really create uh, organizational wisdom by all of the uh, information across all our projects being available to to everyone. Mm -hmm. So bottom line is we've relied on technology to uh, help us overcome the the remoteness and some of it's been uh, really successful Mm -hmm. what would you say is and and it's a and it's a five syllable word so i'm giving you a hint but what would you say is the is the one skill which is common necessary and undervalued in general in our industry Maybe not in your firm, but just in general, uh, uh, and I call it a skill. I call it a core competence. What would you, what would you say would be a skill that is 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 still lacking, needs to be improved upon, and the benefits are almost too difficult to to measure? What would your thought be? Yeah, I would say, and hopefully this is five syllables: emotional intelligence. Yeah, but that's you know that actually is not the the, the answer I was looking for, but it is a good answer in response to what I said. Uh, notice how I'm, I'm working here to massage it to get you to be right. I want you know that you know that's interesting. That's a, it, it's a good answer. But I'll tell you what I was thinking about. But then I want to talk about what you answered. I was thinking about communication. Uh, again, that's that's one of the things that you know that I've seen in so many different settings. You know, as recently as last week, I I keynoted a a management labor conference. Uh, between uh, members of, of the union leadership and, and their signatory contractors. And I, I put the question up on the board, what's, what is the one thing that causes the most problems for you folks? And, and then they started answering. And the first five or six folks actually did say communication. And again, it's, 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 such a, it, it's so fundamental. But it, as you well know, and, and again, you practice this. Uh, yeah. So it's almost kind of like, what's that called? A gotcha question or, or something. But, you know, in, in your mind, communication was probably already there. Uh, you went for something that's even, even more interesting. I, do I wanna, and I do want to talk to you about it. But when I talk about communication, it, it is something which can, which can either improve mutual understanding or, if it's not done well, make it more difficult to understand each other. And then, if you append to that this notion of, of, uh, of, of one, you know, one important area of knowledge, and that would be emotional intelligence. That would be, you know, from a skill standpoint, the ability for, for you or me to understand ourselves 
emotionally, not in terms of our analytical abilities or how fast we can generate a spreadsheet, but in terms of how we are emotionally and when we're feeling things. Uh, because if we can't do that, and I'm sure this is your experience, if you're not sensitive to what's going on with you, how can you possibly be sensitive to what's going on to the other person? And that's then where I can weave back in the, the, the critical importance of, of simply understanding the value of communication uh, as a tool, as, a, as, a, as, as, an, as an important way to make sure that wherever you're interacting with people, if you want to get a positive outcome, you got you to know your audience. You know, what are your thoughts? A- absolutely. So communications are paramount, and especially in our industry where although lots of us are working to break down silos across the industry, we are still uh, siloed and fractured in in lots of ways, which just makes those communication between silos and the fractures in our industry so important and uh, so critical to the success of a project. So Mm -hmm. don't disagree at all. Major challenge. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that when you talk about makes things difficult, then you factor back in this notion of you're, 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 you're dealing with people, and people are different, and they're different in a bunch of different ways. And one of them is, again, what they're, how they deal with emotion. You know, whether they, you know, again, you know, Duran, Mahoney, Irish, need I say more? You know, so, and that's one of the things that in our industry, you and I are kind of gentle kinds of personalities in a sense. You know, some people would say, I can't imagine you out on a construction job site with hard-toed shoes on and a, and a hard hat. But we've, we've both been there, and you've been there many more years than I have. But, you know, so we're in a tough industry. But at the end of the day, you know, people are people are people. And as you know from, from, uh, from knowing about and probably uh, viewing the, the summit I held back in February, I talked to our industry and used folks that are not in our industry to help us understand things like, uh, one of the fundamental areas of difference is around this whole notion of inclusion and how, how we look at people. You know, I often ask the question, what's one thing that Sean Mahoney and Dennis Duran have in common with each other and with every other person they encounter in every aspect of their life? And the answer is simple. We're different from each other. You know, each, each human being is unique. There's, there are other, even twins, twin, identical twins are not identical in, in terms of all the facets of difference. One can play baseball, one's awful at it, you know, whatever those things are. But all of that, and I'm, and I'm, heading, I'm going to head in the direction of talking about something you did as part of evolving your, your corporate culture. But all of that, you know, the technical stuff, the job skill stuff, obviously important. If you're going to be effective as an owner's rep, you've got to be able, you've got to, be able to look at the drawing and point to the, the issue, which you can say, if we can make this change here, that will save this and that, and boom, 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 boom. And they'll look at it and say, yeah, you're right, let's implement that change. But how you communicate and how sensitive you are to what reaction you're getting from the person just with this, with the facial expression, we don't spend, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe we, as an industry we spend nearly as much time coaching and mentoring and teaching people about that part of who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't and need to do a better job. And your example of trying to solve a a problem with a number of people involved and communicate it, look around and you can always tell just from facial expressions or body language, those two 
didn't necessarily get the message. They didn't understand, but they're not raising their hand and asking any questions. So mm-hmm. that's a prompt to say, you know, hey, what what about this process, procedure, solution doesn't make sense to you, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to go the extra extra uh, step to make sure that it's clear. And again, everyone comes from a different background perspective, a different trade, a different training. And, you know, I know that in my career, I've tried to really understand the intent from everyone, mm-hmm. their intent to, to be able to best connect and, mm-hmm. and respond. And yeah, it, it takes lots of, uh, lots of practice, lots of experience. Share with us. We both have. We, we have a. Uh, I will. I'll call him a friend in common, that has influenced both of us. And that's. And I'm referring to Steve Farber. And I noticed on your LinkedIn page that you have Steve's quote: "Do what you love in the service of people who love what you do." How much of of, of those three phrases has impacted OAC services? You know, um, we have a leap moment. So Steve's. Steve's book of work is all about love, cultivating love, generating energy, inspiring audacity, and providing proof, uh, acronym LEAP. We have a LEAP moment. We just had an all-hands meeting last week, and it started with a LEAP moment. And so it's a big, it's a big part of our, our culture. And when I heard for the first time that do what you love and the service of the people who love what you do. I said, that's it. That's exactly what we're doing, right? We're, we're working in a team environment, collaborative environment, doing what we love in service of those who love what we do. We're trying to get the best input, the best engagement by everyone involved to achieve the uh, objective and love it. It's a big part of my way of thinking, my way of working and uh, a big part of our culture at OAC. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and as you know, I, 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 I well, you've heard me probably utter that those phrases uh, more time. i you know, I feel like I ought to get some kind of a, a commission or something. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you could talk to him and, and influence him. So, you know, so as, as we look at our industry, again, you know, back in February, I, 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 I had people s- sit around virtually and talk about inclusion and social justice and love and leadership. How do you, in your view, how is our industry doing with inclusion as, as part of the necessary change that needs to happen? And how are we doing from your vantage point? I think we're moving in the right direction. I think that we've recognized that it's a it's a issue that we need to deal with. I think we've we've seen that the benefits that it can provide to our our industry, and I think we're moving we're moving in the right direction. And I know f- for us, we're we're hosting a uh, DEI uh, symposium next month, and we're inviting firms in uh, disadvantaged firms, small business in a way to help lift them up and better connect them to us and what we do along with all of our partners and clients. We've recognized that it's a uh, benefit to us. It's a benefit to our team. It's, it's a benefit to bringing the best idea forward 
and we're all in. Good, good. That's I, I applaud that, but it's not a surprise for your firm uh, to have no. that outlook on it. So, looking looking ahead, just out there, what in your mind is the the biggest challenge that the the construction industry is facing? It's a it's a term I've heard recently connected construction. I think that we're at a point now where the technology has advanced to a point where we can take advantage, leverage it in ways that we've never been able to before. And we're, we're, we can essentially now create a, a digital replica, a digital twin, if you will, of a building, a design twin prior to constructing it. And, you know, we can build it in the model before we build it in construction. And it's a big change for our industry. It's going to make the design portion of projects longer and more complex. But I believe it'll simplify and speed up the, the construction. And when you think about a uh, car on an assembly line, it is just slowly moving along and the parts and pieces are being added and installed just in time, just in the right place with extreme precision. And I think construction sites are going to evolve from construction to more vertical assembly lines where the materials and everything are going to arrive just in time and be fit precisely in the right place and be lots of prefabrication and so forth, but uh, it starts with bringing everyone together during design and security systems, AV systems, access control, you know, all of these systems that are typically done, designed and installed later after the building's complete, all that needs to move up uh, and be part of the design if you're truly going to... Uh, uh, build a design twin before you uh, start construction. So uh, very exciting time in our industry, opportunity to provide huge value across the entire project cycle. And, you know, we're, we're working hard to um, provide that digital twin experience to our clients. When you take that down to the, to the journeyman level, to the field. Are we also finding ways to think about the programs that are needed to re to reskill the the field level workers to be able to uh, take advantage of what is a, a great design and and basically a design tool and process that's can produce great results at, at the end of the day. How are we, you know, what are we doing to make sure that the that the folks that you know, don't wear the nice shirts and don't, uh, you know, have the nice cars and those things that, that we get them, that we bring them along on this journey. Yeah, well, well, part of it is maximizing opportunities for modular or pre-fabrication, pre-assembled parts and pieces. So that work can be done in factories where the workers are in lieu of, you know, forcing them to live in a, you know, challenging, high-priced uh, urban environment and commute long, long hours, morning and night. If we can, 
you know, shift and, and maximize uh, pre-assembled parts and pieces. That work can be done anywhere in the, anywhere in the world, uh, anywhere in the country and shipped, shipped to sites, you know, work done in a, a climate controlled factory is, is safer, higher quality, mm-hmm. closer to home. So I think we have a real uh, opportunity there. And then by embracing technology, we can also attract the, the next generation, the, the brilliant STEM students that are being gobbled up by the software companies and so forth and get them, get them interested in construction in mm-hmm. a way that hasn't happened before and uh, something that's very needed. So I think there's opportunities on both sides to, to make, the, make the process work better for everyone involved. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I hate to say this, but our, we're at the end. I don't want this to stop, but this has been an incredible conversation. I hope you feel the same way. <laughs> I hope you feel the same way. You're going to hang up. Oh, I don't know why I spent that time with that guy, you know. I mean, but uh, yes, and there's my sense of humor. Um, your thoughts are, are terrific. You know, I think that you know that I know a fair number of leaders in different companies across our industry and try to work with them and coach them and, and just talk with them about stuff. And I don't mean to be this gracious, but uh, you're probably one of the most thoughtful people that I've had the pleasure of communicating with in the last few years. It doesn't hurt that we share some common values that are, are basic to being a, a human being. And then we love Steve Farber's phrase, do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Because uh, when I first read it, I put it on the back of my business cards because it, it, ju- it just made sense to me. And it makes total sense to me that if we, if we spend time as, as leaders, particularly running organizations, if we spend time as leaders making sure that we have an eye towards sharing the vision that we have for our business, aligning the people in our organizations to that vision, and then motivating them. And we have to delegate the responsibility for motivation to our middle management and to our line personnel. But if we do those things, then, then all, the, all the leader has to do is not talk about leadership. All they have to do is lead. And I think you're a wonderful example of someone who's doing that. So it's a pleasure to know you. And I so much appreciate the fact that you came on to, to spend some time with you. Any last thoughts before we uh, call it a day? I, I, uh, I appreciate the, the kind words. It was a pleasure being with you, Dennis. I think you were so on the right track at the right time with your book, Soft as Steel, which was awesome. Uh, again, I believe the, the digitization of our industry is going to have all kinds of benefits, but it's never, it's never going to replace people and the need for soft skills and, you know, expert communications and emotional intelligence across the board. So I loved your book and I love spending time with you. So thank you so much. Appreciate being on with you. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Soft as Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. 
Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.